For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. To get out there and coach, whether it's for zero money or very little, whatever it may be, but get out there as much as you can and actually get out there with your own team. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences, so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest from overseas with me. I've got John Fairbairn. John uh, is joining me from Holland, uh, currently under-17s head coach at Excelsior Rotterdam. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for being with me this morning. No worries. Don't want to waste any time. I want to get straight into the heart of the conversation. Would you mind just talking to us about who you are and how you've got to where you've got to, uh, where your coaching journey started, for those that don't already know? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I suppose I'm a relatively inexperienced coach in terms of the the time that I've actually spent. Uh, you know, as a coach, I, I was playing uh, in the lower leagues in Scotland in, in League Two for most of my professional career, and it kind of got to the stage in 2016. So I would have been 26 at the time, where yeah, I always felt the the ambitions to. Yeah, step into coaching at some point, whether I had the the confidence to kind of do that or the the know-how or the or the platform to go and you know get to where I wanted to be. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure at the time, but yeah, it was so while I was still playing, uh I was lucky enough to yeah jump straight onto the UEFA B license with the, the Scottish FA. So if you if you've played five years or more professionally in Scotland, you're you're allowed to jump straight onto the UEFA B license. So 
yeah, that was a, a massive eye opener for me in terms of my my coaching career and and the ambitions and the yeah my personal credentials uh, that I have as a coach. I, I suppose I, I realised them and I realised especially during the the first week of the you have like a, a nine day uh, initial uh, tutorial week with the with the Scottish FA with the UEFA B license and there's you know lots of high profile uh, Scottish players, some international players. Uh, there was some coaches that have never played the, the game professionally or any kind of high level. And the, then there was the ones in between, like like myself, who was playing at a lower level. But uh, yeah, I suppose during the, the, the nine day tutorial week, <clears throat> I realised that, yeah, actually, my my opinion is just as valid as, as anyone else's. And I think the Scottish FA were very good at creating an environment where yeah everyone's on the same level here so it doesn't matter if uh, yeah, for example charlie adam was was on the course you know that uh premier league player and someone you know, i'm walking into the room within the first couple of days thinking whoa you know i'm at this level you know i'm at should i be mixing with the likes of you know top top players at the time still playing in the premier league but yeah the i got a lot out of the conversations with the likes of charlie and the other guys on the course, just simply from having lunch and, and breakfast with these guys and mixing in with them. And as I say, realising myself that, uh, yeah, my opinion is just a, as valid as anyone's. And not only that, you know, you, you better listen to that opinion too. So that was a big uh, step for me in terms of my, my coaching career, my my confidence in terms of where I then saw myself going as a coach beforehand yeah, you've got no idea, I suppose. You've got no idea until you try anything new. And it was very much new for me at the time. <clears throat> but yeah, got through the got through the, co- the course. I still had two years left on my contract uh, as a player. Um, but luckily at the at the club, it's called Berwick Rangers in the lower leagues in Scotland. Luckily, that they, they gave me a chance to, to start coaching within their, their youth structure within the club. So... Uh, I was coaching with the under-18s with Berwick Rangers and also helping with the under-20s too. So I was very lucky in a way that, that the the timing lined up quite nicely there too, as in <clears throat> starting the course and then straight away the, the next season, actively getting out there and coaching. And with the under-18s, being a coach within my own right in terms of, yeah, I was I was the main guy. I wasn't the assistant to anyone. And even though I was inexperienced and... Well, I continue to make mistakes, of course, but that was fantastic for me in terms of being given the chance to say, right, this is your team, um, this is your session. And it gave me a chance to really uh, try new things and get to know myself as a coach and what I what I, w- I would like to see, how I want the, the game to be played, the, the kind of the style and characteristics that I wanted to um, uh, yeah, be as a coach as well. So... That was very important to me. Uh, I think so out that season, very much enjoyed, uh, obviously still playing, but stepping into the coaching too. And it gradually became the case where yeah, the the, the coaching side of, of what I was doing at the club and the <clears throat> I think the best way to describe it is that, you know, the, the fire in my, in my belly, the, the butterflies in my, my stomach before games I was about to coach was gradually getting stronger and stronger and in comparison to as a player 
that that kind of anticipation that you need, or I definitely needed as a player, was starting to drop because my concentration was leaning more and more towards the the, the coaching side of what I was doing. Yeah, I think probably because I realised fairly quickly that I was going to be a much much better coach than I, than I ever would be as a as a player. So yeah, after a season of really enjoying it. Um, it came to yeah post season two thousand and seventeen, so the the final year of my contract. I was going to carry on doing the the same thing as in playing and coaching within the club, um, and yeah, I, I think then I, I really decided that yeah when when the contract's up, when the season is finished, I, I, I need to stop playing and have full uh, concentration, full headspace on coaching. Um, for many different reasons, like, like I say, because I, I, I don't mind saying that, you know, I, I was confident even then as a coach and, and never so confident as a player. So the my playing contract finished. I actually left the I left Bout Rangers as a player and as a coach and luckily got a chance to, to coach with a, a senior team. So, yeah, Bout Rangers were League Two, so the, the fourth tier, um, the, the bottom tier in professional football in Scotland. And I joined a senior team called Coldstream, um, who, who were two levels below that. So I thought a good level to, to step in as a as a coach in terms of my, my first role as a, um, I wouldn't even say a head coach. I was definitely a manager at that club. So I was a, you know, I was the head of recruitment. I was the head of the, the youth policy. I was head of everything football wise, which again was a great experience for me having that responsibility and um accountability on many different levels and maybe I won't actually get a chance to be in a similar kind of role again because you know we all know that the, which way the game's moving in terms of uh, uh, structure uh, above a head coach's head rather than being a manager in complete control of most football ongoings at a club so yeah it was a fantastic experience again we at a successful time there um and yeah, the, to cut a long story short, my my girlfriend she's Dutch, so yeah, again, probably three quarters of the way through the season as a as a as a manager at Coldstream, we both decided that we would then for the next again season, so not this season but last season, um, that we would have a look in the Netherlands and see if there was any roles over over here for me and and if we were able to make it happen basically for, for me to, to come over here and find a club that would first and foremost be the, the next step and the, the, the right step in my coaching career. Um, and luckily I got that with, with Excelsior, the, the first season I was over here. So last season, um, I, I was with the, the amateur side of the club, the, the, the way it happens over here in the Netherlands that the, the clubs are very organized. So, any any changes or the, the organisation of the, the coaches within almost all of the clubs and definitely the clubs at uh, the professional level, these rules will all be taken up, you know, January, February time at the latest, really, um, before the next again season. So I was probably too late in terms of coming over and expecting it or hoping to get the role um, that I thought that I was suitable for. But yeah, I joined the, the amateur side of the club with the hope to, you know, be on the doorstep of the, the professional uh, technical coordinator and hopefully impress him enough for this season 
to be offered a, a chance to move over to the professional side of the club. And luckily I did that. So, yeah, th th this season I was offered the chance to stay within the same age group, so the under-17s. But yeah, then to move up to the, the professional side of Excelsior Rotterdam. Um, and that's where I am. That's where I am until today. We started the season, of course, but now we're back into semi-lockdown. So we've not been involved in games for the last uh, three weeks. Luckily, we're still training. Um, but yeah, frustratingly, we can't carry on the season in, in this strange time we're all living in. Definitely, you know, I think thank you for that, that brief rundown of your journey so far. I know I just got a couple of things to kind of touch on. You know, you obviously touched on initially, you know, going on to the UEFA B licence was a bit of an eye-opener for you. What was it in particular that, you know, you started, you know, almost, I guess, took you back and, you know, you really started to consider? Yeah, I suppose it, it was the, <clears throat> the the the, the self-confidence that it gave me, I suppose. Like I say, with the... The, the environment in which the the SFA created, whether they were trying, you know, consciously to do this or, or not, I'm not too sure. But yeah, stepping into the course, I was very much a, a naive coach and, and an experienced coach, and with very very little experience of actually standing in front of a group and being in charge. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm leading this session. You go here, you go there, you do you do this. So just the experience of doing that and basically being thrown in at the deep end, yeah, it really gave me the confidence to start thinking about a, a career in coaching and where that could possibly take me. Um, I think pretty much straight away, I felt comfortable within that scenario, you know, leading a session and, and really enjoyed it. Um, whereas as a player, you know, you just ultimately you're not going to have that kind of control and especially a, a player with limited ability like myself I really had to I had to work very hard uh, on my physical qualities my mental preparation through the week and yeah I suppose stepping in and being a coach it became much more natural for me to do that um beyond that yeah you're looking you know there was probably a lot of inspiration there in terms of the, the conversations with the, the the fellow candidates for the for the course, watching their sessions, um, and yeah, ju just the, the whole feeling of of being part of something and being part of something that was very new to me, um, i.e., being a coach. So yeah, it was actually a really exciting time for me, um, and it's one that I look back on with yeah, it, it was it was important time for me in my life I suppose because it, it gave me a chance to have something that yeah I think that I'm, I'm good at and that, that I uh, I can see myself moving up and up and up hopefully um, where as I say as a player I, I was always kind of limited to yeah uh, it, I could only have went so far let's say mm. and just you know just kind of delve deeper into it what was it about coaching or stepping onto the UEFA B and getting a different perspective of things that really caught your eye and thought, you know, this is definitely something I could see myself doing. I suppose it, it opened up um, probably a lot of subconscious thoughts. You know, I, I was a, a central defender as a player. Um, and, it, you know, you, you see the game from there. I was a, a pretty good communicator, I would say, as a player. And, you, you know, you, you've got all these subconscious th thoughts that you might not actively think about. But then when you step in as a coach... And you're asked to um, 
think about the way that you want to the game to be played and then the next step of course communicating that and communicating that effectively yeah I suppose a lot of these subconscious thoughts that I probably was, you know, uh, in, in my head at some point as a player, they, they all came out and they, they had a channel to to be expressed. I suppose the, you know, you, you do your tutorial week with the with the UEFA B license, then uh, between that one and the the next meetup date, you, you've got written assignments, and the the first assignment was uh, it, it was a. The, the, the only instructions that we were given was uh, write down your your football philosophy and how you would like that to be implemented, and and that was only instructions. There was no, you know, write about this, write about that, write this amount, write it in a word doc, do PowerPoint. There was none of that. It was literally write down uh, what what is your football philosophy and how would you implement that. So. Yeah, I think that was a really good exercise for me too, in terms of, um, yeah, possibly bringing these subconscious thoughts into my, my conscious thinking, and then actually putting it into words too. Um, and I, I've looked back upon that that document and actually done a, a, a follow up upon that as well. Um, and I found myself actually, you know, because at that stage I, I really wasn't a coach at all. This was just after the the, the first part of the, the course had started. Um, I suppose I wrote it as a player. I had my, the words were coming out through the eyes of myself, mostly playing in a defensive back three in the center of that back three. And yeah, describing how I would try and communicate and try and organize the team to, uh, to play that I wanted them to play. And then getting that on paper and actually, you know, actively thinking about what, what do you think about the game? You know, what, what's your, yeah, what's your philosophy? I, I, I'm not too keen on that word, but I think that was a, a really, really good exercise for me to, yeah, as I say, bring these thoughts to my to my conscious thinking and bring in a, an element of, of clarity to, to them for, for me to then use, you know, um, as my, my coaching career started. Mm. And just on that then, you know, you talked there about the philosophy and what was you know what what was your philosophy when you first stepped into it? And how has that evolved to where you are now? Ah, uh, well, yeah, it's interesting. I would have to look back and actually go through the document again, but I don't think uh, my let let's say principles. You know, philosophy. I'm not too keen on that word. Let, let's say principles. I don't think my my principles as a coach have, have changed an awful lot, really. Um, yeah, of course, you're always looking to develop and you're always open to, to change. But the, the basic fundamentals that I, I probably adopted as a player to, you know, to where my ability took me, but, that then took me into my, my coaching career. Um, yeah, them, them principles, I, I like my teams to be aggressive with and without the ball. Um, I like them to, to press high as as much as possible really um whenever it is possible and it, to do that in a an organized and intelligent fashion I, I like my players to take risks i like the especially the the attacking players the the wingers the the, the confidence players to I, I like to simplify the game for them you know if you're one-on-one -on -one, take your man on if you've got space to get across and you've got a space get a, get a shot in um 
yeah, be, beyond that, uh, my, my training sessions I always look to to make very intense and very competitive. Um, it's something that I've done, you know, very early in my, my career to always have a, a point scoring system in in training. So almost everything that we do do, whether it be yeah, possession boxes, shooting uh, games at the end, they'll always have a, a point scoring system that then ultimately gets added up, and there'll be a, a winner and loser and, and and punishments for the for the losing team at the end. So that's always kind of been part of my my sessions. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's that's the principles that I'm looking for: high intensity. Um, I, I like my my fullbacks to to be high. Uh, up until this season, I've almost always played with a, a back three. Um, firstly, three-five-two, and then that that moved on to a three-four-three. When yeah, my, my team in Scotland probably established themselves at that level somewhat around about Christmas time, and I felt comfortable enough that we could handle not having a, an extra man in midfield to then step on, uh, in effect, one of them midfielders higher up the field to make it a 3-4-3 three, three, so we could really press the, the ball high up the field. And that worked really well and continued that over here. And now, with, yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable and I hope my players are comfortable to to swap very quickly between a 3-4-3 three, three and a 4-3-3 three, three and actually adopt... The, the the same principles in in both systems. Mm. I just want to take you back to your playing journey a little bit. Um, so you know when you stepped into that coaching qualification and you know you've done that the UEFA B to start with. Did you find in any ways it impacted on the way you played or the way you actually? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, it was. I think it was quite obvious um, as soon as the, the the coaching you know took a hold of me. Um, yeah, I was never a good enough player that I would be able to have a, a distraction or something else occupying my headspace, you know, to prepare properly for a game. Um, mm. Yeah, I always tried to apply myself properly in training and the, in the, the week leading up to the games, uh, mentally preparing, you know, anticipating coming up to the weekend's game. But yeah, when the, the coaching started... That really took over my headspace, and it, yeah, it did affect my my playing career one hundred percent. I wasn't as committed as a, a, a strong word, but yeah, just that that five ten percent maybe taken away in terms of the that real focus. Um, so yeah, like I say, I knew fairly early that I had to step into coaching um, as a, as the main priority. One because you know I probably I, I wouldn't be getting into the team. I'd, I'd eventually be uh, released by the club because yeah, my performances were were dropping. But I suppose I I would never say that I, I dropped tools or I didn't give anything but one hundred percent. But yeah, just that it really took over my head, my my thinking space, my head space, the coaching. So uh, yeah, the, the the playing side of my career really. You know, it took a back seat at that stage. Definitely, and you know, just on that, you know, you, you talk there about that five ten percent of you know focus dropping. Mm. Would you say it dropped or maybe shifted? It looks like looking at the game. Oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely shifting. Yeah, it was. I, I was. I was even more engaged uh, in football yeah. as a coach, and that was that was why, you know, I had to make it priority and not have the, the playing alongside it. 
Um, yeah, it's. I think as a player, you're able to. Of course, you're focusing and you're preparing in between training sessions and in between games, but it's much easier to switch off because you're only really taking care of your own. You know, you're only responsible for yourself and your own performance to a certain extent, of course. But then, as a coach, mm. yeah, it's it's all consuming. You know, it's it's twenty four seven. It's three six five. And I think it has to be if you if you want to, um, yeah, make the most of yourself as a coach and and move up levels and carry on moving up if possible. I think it has to be all, all consuming, and it, it's something I'm I'm trying to learn how to do. You know, learning how to switch off uh, from football at times. Uh, my, my girlfriend will know all about that and how, yeah, at times you know sometimes win, lose, or draw, I'll be coming back and it's. I'll, I'll still be in my my own headspace, thinking about the game, um, and it, it definitely affects my mood too. You know, if if we have a, a bad result, bad performance over the weekend, yeah, I can be very antisocial. Of course, that's a cliche as well. It's something I'm I'm trying to work on, trying to work on cues. Um, you know, how are you going to switch off? How are you going to go and forget about it? But at the same time, give yourself enough thinking space to. Uh, prepare for the week of training ahead and, and react positively or, or negatively, whatever the result or the performance may have been. It's, it's just not as simple as that, is it? And I think it's really good that you touched on that because for a lot of us in the in this world of coaching, it is hard to switch off because um, you always want to kind of get that little extra one percent, have that little edge, and you know, finding the time to do that, and then obviously balance that work. You know, mm. life balance is you know is a challenge in its own. But I'm going to take you to your you know to your role that you're doing at the moment now, uh, under seven mm -hmm. head coach. Um, would you mind just going into a bit of detail of what that looks like on a day to day and uh, how much of a role you play in the development? Yeah, of those so yeah, the, the club itself, Excelsior Rotterdam, they yeah, the the could be seen as a bit of a yo-yo club, I suppose, in terms of. Uh, going up and down from the, the top level, the Eredivisie here, and the the second level, which is called the Kerkin Campion Divisie, so the the second tier, and that's where they are just now and have been yeah this season and last season, the season before that they were they were in the Eredivisie. So yeah, it's a it's a fairly big club. It's probably on a here in Rotterdam. There's Feyenoord, you know the 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 biggest club of course, and then there's two other professional clubs. In Excelsior and Sparta, uh, Sparta Rotterdam. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very lucky and, and, and grateful to to be in the the role that I am, um, working with some very talented players. Uh, for the, for the first time in my career, you know, working with yeah elite elite players really. You know, players that are really aspiring to be um, the professional football players. Yeah, which which is absolutely fantastic for me. We we, we in in football terms, we're, we're full time, so we'll be in on a, a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then obviously the the games at the weekend. That's slightly different now, of course, with the the COVID re restrictions. Um, but yeah, we, we we train in the afternoon. The boys have the 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 normal school day. The, there's a there's a school that the, the club's linked with that a lot of the guys go to. And they'll they'll um, be lenient in terms of the the time that the boys are allowed to to get away from school and then come into training. Um, so yeah, it's every afternoon, four o'clock. 
we start. Um, and yeah, the, the, there's some very talented football players, but you know, like I said uh, about the principles, they, the, my principles haven't really changed and how I actually approach and try to implement the, the principles with the, the players now that I'm working with you are at a higher level than I have worked with before. They really haven't changed too much, you know. I still kind of go through the the same, the, the same principles, the same um, tactical philosophy. I, I suppose I, I try to instill the same kind of identity um, within the team, and that, that that's really starting to to be visible now, which is fantastic and something that I'm I'm always conscious to to try and do to try and uh, make make my team look like my team, if you if you know what I mean. Um, obviously, the the season so far has been been interrupted, but yeah, I'm I'm loving it so far. Lo- loving working with with players that that can do things that yeah, that no coach could really influence. You know, the the they do things that are just off the cuff and uh, w- with individual quality that no coach can control. And and at, at times in, in training in the, in the games, it's just absolutely fantastic to see. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm very much new in the role. This is my, my first season at this level. And in, in effect, first time that I've been uh, full, full time within, in, a, in a coaching capacity uh, in terms of the, the training time. So yeah, that, that has been a change too, even though the principles haven't changed and the, the way that I try to set up the team hasn't changed too much. Of course, that's always developing. But the, the structure of my my weekly training sessions has changed, of course, because I'm moving from training two times a week to now training four times a week. So, yeah, I'm still adjusting that, still looking to develop that and looking to um, figure out my, my own routine and my own... Um, or what, what, what the players... Uh, will, will What they need, basically. You know, I, I like to... Speak to my players a lot about what we do in training and what they, they the, what they're stimulated by, um, what what they enjoy, what they find worthwhile. I think a lot of that's uh, you know visible anyway, and I'm always looking looking for that. You know, the because ultimately my my job is to um, yeah make sure that there's a there's a session put on for these guys to turn up to and walk away and, and feeling like a, a football player, feeling like. They're, they're stimulated and they're, they're excited to, to come the next day, whether it be training or excited build, building up to the, the weekend's game. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose I'm still getting to know my players to, to a certain extent. The, <clears throat> the the language or the potential language barrier, I, I don't think is, is an issue. Um, and I've been very lucky, of course, to, to be given the chance, even though I'm not a, a native Dutch speaker, uh, Excelsior. So I'll be forever grateful for them guys for for giving me the the chance to do that while still trying to uh learn dutch slowly um but no i don't think that's been a a barrier at all actually i think a lot of the time it's been a positive in terms of um yeah the boy the boys learning english and and or whatever we may do that hopefully gives them new kind of ideas and a new perspective on the game um i i would say yeah, the, the Dutch came here, like, like any football community, I suppose it's quite a small community. Um, and I, I think it is quite hard to to work your way into, especially if you're, if you're not a, a Dutch native speaker. So I think I 
I stand out to a certain extent. Like I haven't met any other uh, English or, or British coaches working over here. So yeah, I'm 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 very lucky in that sense, and hopefully I'm I'm able to give the boys a a, a different look upon the game to what they they may be used to. The the, the structure and the organisation over here is beyond belief. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. The the facilities, the the organisation, the availability of, of clubs and teams at all levels. You know, um, whether you're male, female, whether you're top level, where you whether you've not kicked a ball before, there's going to be a team. You know, very close to where you live, and there's going to be an opportunity within that club. You know, to find a team at your level using fantastic facilities. So yeah, it's it's a really good place to be in terms of the the football community, and and I'm really enjoying it. The the the, the difference in in style that the the way that they, they develop the players over here is is different, of course, as well. And yeah, it's not something I am uh, experienced in or I've done before, but. You know, working with the the younger players, so you know, basically, as soon as they start kicking the ball within a, a structured organisation, yeah, the, the way that they develop technical skills, um, the, the awareness on the ball, the the the, the qualities of, of what you want in a in a midfield player, really, you know, the the three sixty awareness, the the bravery to to go and get onto the ball, that that's very common here, um, and I think that is starting to come. In, in Britain too, that that kind of shift in mentality, in terms of um, encouraging young players to get onto the ball in midfield, making things happen, and not think too much about the consequences of giving the ball away or making the mistakes. I'm hoping that that is in the past now. It's it's starting to get less and less in terms of you know coaches balling and screaming at young players for giving the ball away or trying to do something that doesn't quite come off. That that really isn't the case here. That 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 fear factor is, is much, much less, let's say. So yeah, my, my midfield rotation needs um of course it needs encouragement, it needs tweaks in, in terms of the way that I, uh, I I want to them or I want my team and what their identity is. But in terms of a base structure for me to step into yeah, the, the technical qualities and the, the just the mindset of get, get, going to get the ball. You know, give me the ball. That that's there without me having to do an awful lot, which is absolutely fantastic. That that's uh, it's it's brilliant to watch a lot of the time. The the opposite side to that is you know looking at the game a bit more tactically. A lot of these players. They, they they think that way. So a lot of these players over here, they, they want to they come towards the ball. They, they want to receive the ball with their back to goal. They want to take many touches. They want to they want to be the one that dictates the, the tempo of the game. And of course, that's fantastic. That's, mm. that's great. You need players like that. But when you've got a team with yeah four, three, four, five attackers or midfielders that are trying to do that or thinking along them 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 lines suddenly becomes predictable and if you don't have that um mm -hmm. yeah the number nine or the, right. the the penetrating runs whether it's coming from the the wide men which is becoming more 
in the modern game now, if you don't have that guy who's willing to make them them penetrating runs in behind, the ones that are going to make um, unselfish runs and maybe only get the ball, uh, yeah, one out of yeah four times making them runs, these guys that are coming towards the ball suddenly the, the space is closed off and it becomes very easy to to defend against. So that that's been my my main priority. Um, in terms of shifting principles, I suppose, and, and the mindset of both the teams so far here is, is working on the, the strikers' movement, working on the, the front three and how and when and why that these guys, are, what their movement's going to be, what the starting position is going to be, uh, where they're going to be looking to, to make their movements. And once that is, you know, hopefully fairly clear or at least understood within the players, it's then about speaking to the, the fullbacks or the midfielders or whoever it is to actually give these guys the ball, you know, because maybe they're not um, used to as much these guys maybe spinning into channels and maybe even playing the ball blind, you know, into the channel at time at times. You know, that that's not really too much into the mindset here. So that's kind of what I'm trying to, to instill in my teams. And it's been fairly su- successful so far. Um, and, and yeah, it's... I suppose that, well, that's one of the the differences tactically in terms of the the mindset of the players here. I would say, you know, all, all the young players here they want to grow up to be Dennis Burkamp or uh, Stephen Berghaus at, at Feyenoord. The, the guy who, whether he's in a, a wide area as an attacker or a number ten or a midfielder, they want to come towards the ball. As I say, they want to dictate the play. Whereas in Britain, and maybe this is changing too, maybe it's a, a bit of a dying breed, the, the, the number nine. Um, but yeah, when I grew up anyway, everyone wanted to be Alan Shearer, the, the number nine, the Ian Wright, uh, you know, the, the, the goal scorers, the Ruud van Nistelrooy's, the, the Jamie Vardy's, the Jermaine Defoe's, you know, the, the, the guys mm. who maybe, maybe you don't see them for, for the majority of the game, but they'll pop up and get the glory with a winner. And, you know that that's probably my hero growing up, um, and the 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 player that I admired the most was the the real Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, the the yeah possibly the one of the best number nines ever. You know the one that's always going to be threatening and, and a, a real goal scorer, the guys who judge themselves on goals. Yeah, I think that's that that's. Uh, uh, there's not so many of them kind of players here with that kind of mentality, that um, that ego almost of... Ruud van Nistelrooy is a really good example. Of course, he was exactly that kind of player. And of course, he was he was Dutch too. But mm. they are uh, few and far between, I would say, here in the Netherlands. Well, why, do you, why do you think that is? You know, in the... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You'd, you'd, uh, you'd expect that there's always going to be players who want to score goals and want to be the front runner in terms of things. I think the way we're going now, and you know, it'd be great to get your views on it from a perspective of being overseas, mm. especially in, in, in Holland, as to there seems to be this more emphasis now on creating players who almost 
by the playmakers rather than yeah I, I think it'll go to the way young players are, are developed here which I, I cannot fault at all I mean the, the way that they develop technical players like I say it's it's beyond my capabilities you know I, I watch the the, the the guy the youngsters at the, at the club that come on after us you know the the sevens and eights and the elevens and the twelves I mean some of the, the I love watching them actually, just just because of the technical ability of these young players and the awareness and the, um, yeah, just the, the way that they're encouraged to play, I suppose, and and that obviously carries on all the way through. And it, it, it's very much, like I say, you know, get onto the ball, be be brave enough to get onto the ball, and maybe at the same time, um, not taking too many risks in terms of being on the ball and, um. I wouldn't say too much of an emphasis on possession, but possession, you know, four-three-three is a, a system that's used over here almost, yeah, in almost all teams, really. You know, it's it becomes a bit predictable at times. It become it makes my life a bit easier as a coach because I know exactly what I'm going to come up against. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a fairly rigid system in itself, and it's always. Uh, well, a lot of the time it's it's sent around a, a six and an eight and then a number 10 ahead. And as I say, the number 10 is really the guy, the, the superstar in the team. He's the one that, the, that is looking to make things happen. As I say, that, that the, the there's not enough movement for me, you know, spinning in behind to almost give that number 10 the, the space to to go and do what, what he wants to do. And maybe that, that's becoming the case in Britain too, where, yeah, that element of risk, um, you know, with and without the ball, you know, because making a run into the channel, it is a risk. You know, if if your midfield man gets the ball and you want to time that run properly, you, you you might make the run before you've even made that eye contact. So you might not even get the ball. It's it's a risk in itself, but it needs to be done to to earn the right to to create space in the in the in the midfield area where you want to gain control of the game. But yeah, the the. I think it could be creeping in. Obviously, I don't have the, enough experience to really comment on this in Britain, but it might become the case in Britain too, where academies, you know, uh, high-level performance academies are producing too many players that are alike and maybe not have the individual characteristics that you want to see or that you that ultimately win games, that ultimately creates overloads by beating men one-on-one -on -one or taking a, a shot at the right time that, you know, goes flying over the bar. Like These kind of things that I really try to, in, in terms of what I do with the players, I, as long as it was the right decision, you know, if, if there was a, an easy, easier pass on for another striker who had a better opportunity, of course, go and do that. But if it was the right decision to go and shoot and let it goes into the, into the trees behind the goal, I'm, I'm always very quick to encourage that and um, yeah, encourage the, the right decision-making. I'm working with under-17, so working on technical parts of their game, of course, is, a, is an aspect of, of what I do, but I can't, you know, uh, overnight create a player who yeah, can't hit the target from 30 yards to then hit the top corner. But I can work on that decision making, and I can work on the the confidence of that player. To yeah, don't worry about the consequences of of missing the target. Worry about the, the consequences of making the wrong, wrong decision, because that's maybe when I'm gonna 
yeah, uh, not be angry, but you know, have a go at someone if they if they don't have the have the bottle to to go and try things, go and go and take people on, go and express yourself really in the right kind of areas and making the right kind of decisions. And of course, that's my job to to clarify uh, what the right decisions would be within our system um, and the the way that we want to play. Mm. Brilliant. And, you know, just kind of build on that then, you know, what would you say is key to that process? Obviously, you know, I think a lot of coaches are, well, if you're, you know, you're from a similar generation to me where we kind of maybe grew up with the coach always telling us what to do and you know, having that approach now where almost allowing the players to express themselves, take time to, you know, figure things out and uh, maybe do some self self-learning or self-evaluation around what's actually happening, where the right decisions are and having those discussions around their rationale and justification for decisions they've made. I think it's, it's maybe something I've I found that I've naturally been um, well, I've naturally done and I think it's it's brought success with these kind of players that the, the probably the, the confidence players that the, the guys who yeah, normally wingers or, or strikers are attacking players who thrive off confidence and they can be very inconsistent. Um, if they're low on confidence, they could be, you know, they, they could be three out of ten one week and then suddenly have a, a glimpse or, or a moment of, of, of brilliance um, that you think, ah, why can't you do that more? Um, I suppose in the in the training sessions, I, I look to work on that. I look to work on the, the the confidence of players. I suppose that the initial thing that you you naturally do and maybe subconsciously do is gaining the, the trust of these players. So yeah, doing your best to to work out what kind of character they are, um, and and quickly learning what what character they are in terms of how they react to your your approach as a coach. So. Yeah, for example, I'm thinking of a, a player, the, the team that I, uh, I was with, Coldstream in Scotland. One of the, the first training sessions we did um, in the pre-season, we were working on, yeah, it was a phase of play. We were working on the, the two attacking midfielders, basically getting up to, to support the, the striker who's shown into feet. And the, the, the timing of that run, um, allowing the space to... to to, to be there, both the striker being high and the midfielder being being patient with that without run and forgetting about the first pass and, and creating the space for the pass and the striker and then making your run from there. And yeah, I think I, I stopped the session. It was just a attack the defence phase, phase of play, which I, I tried to do a lot. And yeah, the, the, a move broke down the midfield. I got there a bit too early and I, I was, I wanted to make the point or I made the point that yeah, just what I said there. Uh, be patient with the run. Allow the space to be open. Allow the passing channel to be open. It's going to make it easier for the striker to find you with the next pass. And it's going to be easier for you to then step onto the ball, knowing where the space may be or where the pass may be. And th this player that I, I made the point to, mm. yeah, I think he took it on board. Um, but I could tell he was uncomfortable being in the situation like that where um, the attention was on him. In, in front of the whole group and you know you'll know yourself a lot of players are like this they'll they'll, they'll be insecure and they'll think ah you know they'll, they'll get on the defensive you know the the why are you attacking me kind of thing 
so I, I quickly learned with that player and, and of course there's many other examples that that's not how this player is going to react well that's not how this player is going to develop and, and take the thing on board that I want to tell him that I want to coach him because he, he's clouded by the insecurity of the the, the yeah being the centre of attention so a, a player like that another time I'll let the move break down and as we were walking back up as the defensive line was stepping up and I was maybe walking back to the halfway line for the for the next phase of play that's maybe when I would have a, a quiet word with him one on one then you, you can really focus on on the point rather than the the situation of him not being comfortable and in, in doing so not being able to take on board exactly what uh what I want to want to make on on the other hand you know on the the, the other end of the, the scale there's other players who they need the the that kind of ridicule almost in in front of the group I think I was actually one of them players too in terms of if, if I if I knew I wasn't quite at it um, in, in the first half of the game, if I was a bit sloppy, um, maybe my focus was a bit off. I needed the coach at half time to dig into me, really, you know, to to waken me up. Otherwise, I'll be thinking, well, one, you don't know me very well, and two, I'm, I'm I think, again subconsciously thinking this. If I perform like that, I can get away with it. I really need the, that kick up the, the backside. So I think, yeah, I, I try to um, think about and be very conscious of the, the kind of characters that I'm working with and quickly learning um, what what they respond to, what they, what they don't respond to. Um, and a lot of the time, I'm, I'm constantly encouraging um, coaching throughout the sessions, which is something that a lot of the yeah the, the the Dutch guys over here that are maybe watching any of my, my sessions or whatever it may be they, they kind of comment comment on that as um, as a difference to what they normally see with with Dutch coaches is that I, I try to not stop the session whenever possible and rather just you know uh, coach as the play is going on so yeah, I suppose it's dealing with with different kind of characters. A lot of that is just your natural social skills. What what you, how you empathise with people, how you invest in people, how you take responsibility for for the players in your team. You know, my boys. You know, whatever team I'm playing, they are my players. It's my responsibility. So it's my um, a big objective of mine is to take them under my wing, you know, as much as I can, not only on the football side, of course, but, you know, to gain their trust in, in anything as well, you know, being that, that role model for them, hopefully that they can, they can trust and ultimately help them to be the best football player that they, they can be, I suppose. Mm. Just to kind of take you back to your, your own journey a little bit now, yeah, I'm interested to know if you've had any major influences on your career. Um, and possibly what the biggest lessons are that you've taken from those people. Yeah, I suppose I would. Um, yeah, I'll go to my father first and foremost. He was, um, yeah, my mum and dad. But yeah, my dad, especially, he was a, he is a, a football fan and, you know, followed my career all the way through. Um, 
Yeah, now, I've had this conversation with with some of my players quite recently too. My my, my dad, he was he, he was never quick to to praise. You know, he, he wouldn't you know be overly critical. But if I had a good game, and you had a good game, if, if I had a bad game, and you had a bad game. But let's say I step in and, and we win the game and we get a clean sheet or, or whatever it may be. My, my dad would always um, j- just, you know, casually, quietly, you know, say or point out the time maybe maybe I gave the ball away twice or maybe I, I got lucky and, and the, I gave the, the striker a sniff but he missed the chance. We would focus on the them kind of things, the the things that, that would help me ultimately improve um, rather than overly praising me and, and uh, yeah, giving me praise when maybe it wasn't earned. And uh, During the conversation that I was having with, mm. with this player, we were kind of talking about the, the other side of that as well, you know, possibly the parents who, or, or coaches or whoever it may be, who has an influence on the player, who really bigs this player up and says, oh, you were brilliant today, or you did this and you did that, without actually looking at what they could improve on. So, I suppose that that influence from my, my dad was was big because you're always looking how you can improve, and it, I think it helped me develop a, a sense of you know self responsibility too, you know self reflection and honest self reflection, and that that's carried on into my, my coaching career now. If we if if we don't perform well or if well, I think the the training sessions especially, I'm I'm always very critical of myself and. Um, how, how could that have been better? Uh, what could I have done first and foremost without looking at anyone else? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of coaches, even that that, that I speak to, they'll they'll complain about their players not doing this or not working hard enough or not being good enough or whatever whatever it is, whatever complaint they have. But yeah, ultimately, that those players, that team, that, that's the, the coach's responsibility. So that that team is a reflection of the coach. So I would I would be very reluctant to make any kind of excuses like that for myself because ultimately it lands on my shoulders. the 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 development of the, of the team and the development of the the individual players within that team. In in terms of the inside football, the the, the influence. I'm thinking of my my youth coach. So before uh, uh, in Scotland, basically moving from a, a rural area where I grew up up to a boys club in, in Edinburgh called Hutchison Vale. You are, yeah, one of the biggest boys clubs in, in Scotland. My, my head coach there, Tam Smith, he was a, a big influence on me and it was actually a big turning point or big slice of luck in my, in my playing career to get the chance to go up there and be exposed to playing with and against much, much better players. And with Tam, Tam Smith, being in an environment where, yeah, he really instilled that winning mentality without putting pressure on to win. It, it was just an environment that he, that he created with the, the intensity of the training sessions, the quality of the, the training sessions, the demands in which the, the other players put on you, even at that age. <clears throat> and the, the quality of the, the training and the quality of the, the coaching he gave me. Um, he, he turned me from a midfielder into a central defender and yeah, really opened my eyes to 
um, the, the level I was at really, you know, it was a big eye opener when I, when I went up there and a big eye opener just in, in, in terms of small details as well. You know, the, um, uh, when we played in the, the Scottish cup, for example, we, we, we were given the club blazers and, and we had to wear shirts and ties, you know, just small things like this that made it, even though it was a boys club, it was in effect an amateur setup that, that real professional, um, mentality and that, that winning mentality, um, and many other things on top of that as well. So he was a, a massive influence on myself and, you know, many other young players uh, in their early career. And then as I step into, um, yeah, more, more senior football, um, I played in the, the United States. Um, so I went from Hutchinson Vale to St. Johnston in Scotland, played there for two years uh, under Owen Coyle and then Derek McInnes. Um, I suppose them guys were definitely an eye-opener as well. Um, just a, a little story. I remember the, one of our first, the first pre-season with St. Johnson, we were, we were lucky enough that not all the youth teams, so I was part of the under-19 squad and played with them every week and with the reserves, made one first-team appearance eventually, but mostly with the 19s and reserves. But luckily, only... Yeah, maybe six or seven of the under 19s were full time. They were in everyday um, training. So that meant a lot of the time we would actually be able to train with the first team. So as a 16, 17 year old kid, again, a massive eye opener and, and brilliant for my, my own development. And at the time, Owen Coyle, he, he was still, like, still playing the reserve team. So he was actually playing in front of me in the midfield in the, in the reserve games, but he's also involved in the training sessions and I remember it was just a, a small game uh, at the end you know uh, three teams one on the outside two in the middle and yeah he was playing as a striker up against me and the, he, he received a pass into feet and I've got too tight and it was a kind of bouncing ball um, and yeah as I say he's got, I've got too tight he's rolled me and then he's just banged it into the top corner and he's literally, you know, he's, he's whistled, stopped the session, but there and then, as the, as the ball goes in the net, and very aggressively, you know, finger in my face, basically saying, if you if you're going to be joining my training sessions here, that is not acceptable. You know, you, you can't let uh, let anyone roll you like that as a as a central defender. So, I suppose in terms of the the standards that he expected from anyone. You know, the, the youth team player, and the, it was literally one of my first training sessions with the first team, or one of the more experienced players. Uh, whether he was going to do that to one of them, I'm not too sure, but I think it really opened my eyes to the standards that are expected. And like I said earlier, I was the kind of player that reacted well to that. Like, I I didn't enjoy it at the time, of course, but it's it was good for me. Let's say I, I didn't, I never did that again uh, in his training sessions. Mm. And you know, just in, you know, kind of on that journey, then you know, what what were the things that helped you in terms of you know keeping yourself motivated and, and inspired to you know continue going? Obviously, now as a coach as well, you know, I'm sure you've got aspirations to kind of keep on growing and get to the next level, whatever that may be, and potentially even you know work in the first team environment one day at the highest level. You know, what keeps you going? Well, keep luckily, I'm, I'm not at a. I'm, I'm sure it will come out, but you know, as I say, I'm fairly inexperienced as a coach. I've not, I've only really been a coach 
for, for three seasons uh, before that as a player too. But yeah, I suppose I've not had the the a sustained period of time where performances, results haven't went went so well so far. It's it's pretty much been a, a success story. So I suppose that the motivation has been easier in terms of that. Um, but I also prepare myself that I know that will come and that there will be times where it's not going so well and there will be self-doubts and there will be uh, a need for yeah perseverance with it. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, it's not something that I'm too concerned about just because I'm of my obsession really with the game you know it's it's all consuming to me uh the, the football and and my my, my coaching career um I, I suppose i try to set myself short term goals I, I i try to lean away from you know writing down or, or thinking about goals that are not reachable at this stage, you know, maybe five, ten years in the future. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, I want to be a coach in the Premier League because how could you ever um, uh, plan or prepare to, to reach that goal? And my, my main goal, which is quite vague, of course, is to always, you know, look to, to step up the level. And once you get to that level, establish yourself there, become good at that level and then move up again and again and again, just like I did as a player, I suppose. Last season, um, the aim, the goal was was very easy because I was with the the amateur side of the club, like I say, with the under seventeens, and the, the obvious goal and the goal from the very beginning was to move over to the, the professional side. Now I'm I'm here, with the the professional and the seventeens. Yeah, it's now time to to rethink them goals and what what or where I would like to see myself in the in the immediate future, you know, next season, the, the, the season after that. And that's a, a more difficult question because what you're looking at, you're looking at the, the next again age group, you're looking to go to a higher level club, you have to establish yourself here, um, you know, before you can before you can do that. So that's something I'm actively trying to think about, you know, as I go along. But yeah, ultimately that, it boils down to every day, every training, trying to improve, trying to be, um yeah trying to be that 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 influence on these players um that makes a really big difference really because that's ultimately what what my job is um yeah the, the motivation yeah I, I suppose i suppose seeing that these players um listen and understand and ultimately implement into their performances that that's a huge motivation and a huge satisfaction, um, mm. and yeah, it's it's probably another topic of conversation. But yeah, winning. You know, I love winning. I love the, the the anticipation and the the build up. You know, through the week Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, that that anticipation for the the game at the weekend, win, lose or draw. That that feeling of yeah, nerves and uh, adrenaline. Uh, on the Friday night and then the, the Saturday morning when you wake up and just as the the game's about to start the the yeah that anticipation that unknown like are, are we going to perform the way that we want to perform today are we ultimately going to go and get that result 
And I suppose it's probably another thing that I'm trying to um, instill with it into my, my players right now is that, that winning mentality is actually part of the performance. So, you know, you hear a lot in, in youth football and in, in academies that it's all about performance and, um, you know, don't lean too much on results, win, lose or draw, da, da, da. And of course, it's it's all about opinions. But I think it's you know I'm, I'm working with under 17s, and I think at least at this level, or this age, sorry, that they need to start thinking that yeah, that game management, that winning mentality, that being clever, not only with what you do within the game and and on the ball, but how can you actually influence the game in other ways, whether it's communication with your teammates, you know, looking for three, four, five, six players, I would call my committee, you know, within the dressing room to set standards and maintain standards. Um, manipulate is a big word, but, you know, making sure the referee's on your side um, and, and turning up, especially to away games, and this has been something that I've, I suppose I've naturally tried to do with all my teams, but turning up to games and in the warm-ups and have a... Have a have an arrogance, have, have an ego about you that says, yeah, we we really don't mind too much who you are and, and what you're going to do. We are here and you're going to have to deal with us. And it, just just small things like um, mm. the volume. So in, in training sessions, I'm always, almost always start with Rondo. And I'm always at the players there and barking orders, you know, walking around the, the boxes and even joining in a lot of the time too. Encouraging them to get the volume up, uh, the communication levels higher, to create that that atmosphere, that environment, that hopefully then becomes natural for a weekend, uh, for the game day, and then when you step out for the warm up for for the games, instead of you looking over to the other team and thinking, ah, who's he and who's he and what are they doing, actually turn that around and make that the other way around. So they're looking at you, who's that making all that noise. You know, I like, especially as I say, away games. I like to, mm. I like to be noticed. You know, and it's, it's not to say that I'm encouraging my players to be arrogant and uh, have an ego outside the field. You know, I think that's also something I'm trying to uh, make my players realise that it's a skill in itself as a young player to learn how to be one character and one. Yeah, just yourself out outside the, the the gates of the complex or the 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 white lines on the field. You know, be yourself, be humble, be be uh, whatever you are. Mm. But also realize that it's okay to be a different character on the field, and that character ultimately has to be a winner if you if you want to get the the best out of yourself. I think that was sorry. That was probably something that I I did as my, as a player myself. You know, I was quite. Fairly quiet in the, the dressing room, especially early in my career. But when I stepped over the white line, it's different. So just just on that then, you, you talk there about you know being a player fairly early in your career. Obviously, you've had some experience playing. Now you're looking at players almost uh, trying to follow that path to an extent. If you had the opportunity to kind of go back, speak to yourself when you first got in, uh, got into coaching, or more specifically, when you was a younger player yourself, what what, what would be your advice? Yeah, it's a good question. I've never really what thought would be a about message that. You'd want to give yourself um, then. I would definitely encourage myself to work harder on my athletic qualities 
earlier in my career. So it probably wasn't until 22 when I came back from the United States and joined the Bet Rangers in League Two that I realised by looking at the, the the guys ahead of me in the in the in the team in the first team, you know that they, they were bigger and stronger, more athletic. You know, I, I quickly realised then that I'm going to have zero chance unless I at least get to that level of strength and power. And you know, uh, ultimately I'll be exposed and and not be able to play. So I, I would tell myself to to get on that train earlier you know getting into the gym and, and finding a, a routine that suited me as a as an individual um looking back younger uh i suppose i would i would say to myself and i, I maybe even said to myself at the time but it's it's much easier said than done but just to have more bravery and more willingness to get onto the ball even in tight spaces as a young player and make mistakes I suppose I grew up at a time where making them mistakes and it was partly due to myself you know putting that kind of pressure on myself to do your job as a defender you know yes get on the ball and I always consider myself as a as someone who could you know uh, a fairly good range of passing uh, but maybe I didn't I wasn't brave enough to really get onto the ball like you see a lot of the young uh, and professional defenders do right now. And of course, the game's changed since then. But yeah, I, I would have liked to see myself to deal. I suppose it's not the fact that you, you don't actually, you're not brave enough to get on the ball. It's more dealing with the feeling if you do give the ball away and, and you, you do make that mistake and it ultimately leads to yeah, a chance or a goal. It's, it's, it was the fear of doing that rather than the 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 fear of having the ability to to keep the ball or do whatever I wanted to do with the ball. Um, yeah, I think they would probably be the, the the two main things I would say. Mm -hmm. I'll just you know kind of to follow up on that then you know as we start to wind down, you know if you had sixty seconds now to kind of leave the listeners with one golden nugget to kind of take forward and apply with it. You mean own, as a coach? Uh, I guess journeys. What would that be? I would say get out there as yeah. as much as you can. Um, as I said, I was quite lucky that I had the chance to step into a, a good coaching role straight away as soon as my, my career started. Um, but yeah, up until this season, the the finance has, has been involved and it's still not great. You know, I'm, I'm I can get by now, but it's it's uh, it's a start, let's say. But yeah, beforehand, the, the, the finance was very little. and um, But that hasn't changed the way I've approached coaching whatsoever. So I'd encourage them to to get out there and coach, whether it's for zero money or very little, whatever it may be, but get out there as much as you can and actually get out there with your own team. But that's what's worked for me anyway. Um, so, you know, a lot of coaches will step into a team as an assistant um, and kind of learn maybe uh, the habits and whatever of the, of the head coach. But yeah, it, it was really helpful for me to step in and be the head coach, be the, the, the leader of the team and learn, you know, uh, what I was all about as a coach through that. So even if they have to drop down levels, um, 
whatever level, whatever age group you, you need to work with, I would encourage them to go and be mm-hmm. head coach within their own right and really put themselves out there and, and put yourself in a vulnerable position, really. You know, put yourself outside your your comfort zone. Um, and if you've got ambitions to, to move up, you know, beyond that, yeah, ultimately, it's hard work. It's it's um, it's always trying to surround yourself with the the right kind of people. Who've always been in and around the game, and and be clear. Like I was saying earlier, actually, this was a massive help for me, and probably a good bit of advice for any young coaches. Write down in words what your your identity is all about as a coach. How do you want the game to be played? What is your key principles that you like to see as fundamental principles within your team? You know, the, the non-negotiables. And then, of course, you can go into more detail about tactica, tactics and, and systems and the way you want to, or the way you think you want to approach dealing with players in a, in a man management sort of way. But yeah, for me, writing these things down was a massive help for me just to um, yeah, work it out in, in my own head, I suppose, and uh, process it in my own head to then become much more clear to then implement, of course, into the sessions and into the players and then hopefully see the results from that as well if they, again, understand uh, or listen and understand and then implement it into the game. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, just as we get those nuggets from you, you know, which would be interesting to know on a final note then, as you know, you're still relatively early on in your coaching career, but, you know, not to kind of wish your time away, but as you get towards the back end of it and eventually, you know, your career as a yeah, coach. Yeah, it seems like a, you like it's such a long time away, you know, I'm, I can't even imagine myself not coaching anymore now. Um, well, ultimately, it, it comes down to the individual player as well, you know, I would like you know, the majority, uh, if not all of them, the players that I, I have coached and end up coaching, that they, yeah, they, they have that that respect for me that I, um, I did everything that I could to give them the platform to develop as a, as a football player. Because ultimately that, that's what, that's what we all should be looking to do as coaches, you know, that cause it, it's all about the players, you know, that they are the, the most important people at any club. Um, so yeah, hopefully just having that, that influence on, on these players to possibly think about the game in a different kind of way. L- look to me as a, as a role model, hopefully in the, in the football world. Um, but yeah, also being someone that they can trust inside the football world and outside the football world too, as a, yeah, carry on as a, as a role model or as, as a friend or whatever, you know, role that, I need to be, I suppose. Yeah, I stay in touch with a lot of the players that I've coached, yeah, so far in my career, and and I hope to do to to continue to do that as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, hopefully they influence them in in a way that really? develops them as a as a football player and and as a as a person, of course. Fantastic. And you just on a final note, then, John, if the listeners had anything they wanted to kind of touch base with you on regarding anything that's been discussed in this uh this conversation uh is this yeah i mean the uh, my linkedin is probably the 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 easiest and and most accessible way to do the the yeah just type my my name into linkedin and i'm always 
available for any sensible messages that I get to to continue any any kind of conversation or offer any kind of advice at all. And yeah, I, I could be, you know, possibly I'm, I'm a good one to give young or new coaches advice because I, I am young and new myself, even though I've been lucky enough to kind of, especially this season, make a, a fairly big jump in terms of where I want to be yeah, ultimately, you know, in, in the professional game. So it's it's quite fresh in my mind in terms of my journey so far, uh, starting from scratch and then up until where I am now. So, yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, Jonathan Fairman on LinkedIn, be more than happy to carry on the conversation. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, Get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.